0: Get into geek. We talk movies, TV, games, books, comics, whatever we're talking about. It's all geek, and uh, we are back to do some more m- nostalgic movie reviews. Uh, my name is Mitch. Joining me again, Maddie Gibson. Well, hello. Yeah. We are back to talk about our partnership with Event Cinemas and their In the House Cult Film Classics program to uh, kick off. The new season for 2017. We spoke about Ferris Bueller's Day Off a couple of weeks ago, Maddie, Second up in the program, a fantastic sci-fi double feature. Double
1: feature! The Fly from 1986 and then uh, almost a decade later, Gattaca. I want to say nowhere in the entire world's history has anyone ever watched The Fly and Gattaca back to back.
0: (laughs) Look, you might Until be right. Now. You Until might be right. now. Until yes. now. World first. Event Cinemas making it happen. Making <laughs> dreams come true. Look, you can check out eventcinemas.com.au. The full for, uh, the full program for this upcoming or current season. You can find out all the details there. What we're going to be doing. Uh, it's basically it's for new fans or uh, old fans alike, really. We're going to be talking... Full details about these movies. So, if you haven't seen the films, maybe go and watch them first. Go and check out the program. Or, if you are an old school fan, you can listen to this. Mm. This is also a reminder these films are on. Go see the movie on your drive home, even from this double feature. As weird as it might sound to watch these movies back-to-back, you can listen to our chat and yeah. hopefully uh, agree like or disagree a, with us. There
1: is a statute of limitations. You can't li- can't really ruin a film that's over 10 years old. No, that's although... That's like me saying to you, I see dead people. And you're like, oh, you've freaking ruined it! <laughs> <laughs> Look, actually, you know what? That's a
0: good place to start because it kind of was, I guess. It's one of those movies that I have put off seeing, put off seeing, put off seeing, and has been ruined for me, partly... Because of a parody,
1: yeah, pop culture. Yeah. Just it's it's because it's become so ubiquitous in terms of a, a successful sci-fi film. Because mm. it did have a couple of movies after this, and yes. after seeing this, I did read the synopsis for the second film, and mm. I really, really want to see the fly. Oh yeah, now. me too. Yeah, but it's also obviously, um, I guess, I guess in modern vernacular, it's a reboot of an earlier fly film mm. from I want to say the fifties, something the 50s like that. Like... Yeah. So it's like, but yeah, it's the when... go-to one. It's like uh, you know,
0: you look at something like Scarface. Wonderful film that everyone talks about. They're talking about doing a remake now and everyone's like, you can't touch it. It's like mm. Scarface
1: was actually a remake yeah, we, of a film from much, much earlier. We said that about Ghostbusters and then, then they did that. So well, but I, I, feel like, I feel like
0: nothing's sacred anymore. No, nothing is, except for Back to the Future and like we said two weeks ago, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, never <laughs> touch them again. There's probably a lot of movies in this, uh, in this program too. Some have already been mm. remade, others they want to and others that should stay... Perfect. Yeah, as, but, but uh, as when they The fly
1: are. is something that you say. Oh, you, want, you I want to see it. I want. To, it's like you don't know. Do you see the original fifties one or do you see this one with Jeff Goldblum? Mm. It's like, I think oh, Goldblum.
0: I mean Cronenberg. Cronenberg's yeah. great as a director and uh, and definitely has his you know cult status as as being the wonderful weird director that he is. For me mm. though, it begins and ends with Jeff Goldblum. So if he if he yeah. threw up the nineteen fifty or whatever version in front of me and the eighty six, I'm watching the eighty six because well, see, of I, uh, 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 I knew uh, was Goldblum was in this,
1: but the you know the the, the the, The deal sealer for me, Mm. which I didn't know, was Gina Davis. Yeah. I had no idea if she's in this film, and if it, there's a Gina Davis movie out, I will go see it. <laughs> she's very cutesy in this movie, actually. Like it's it's very early Mate, on. You know? Last kiss, Goodnight. Oh yeah,
0: um, but that's when she she took a step into being like sexy because yeah, she was the action heroine but and League of Their Own. Like yeah, you know the yeah.
1: Gina Davis movie, I've seen it. And like, what's the
0: uh, was it Commander in Chief? She had a couple of years ago. She oh, was... that was such a good show. <laughs> she was the
1: president. <laughs> oh my god, had her son played Matt uh, was played by Matt Lanter, who went on to to voice Anakin Skywalker in the Clone Wars uh, TV series. Yes, he was. Yeah, only last single season. Failed miserably, never came out on DVD, and I want it so bad.
0: Didn't it really? Is that why you love Madam Secretary too much? Because I
1: think it is. It's
0: it's it's, it's what you've got to hold on to. It's fulfilling
1: after. my wish of Commander in Chief getting a second series. <laughs> it's this, and Tier Leone is awesome oh, as well. Great. But yeah. getting, you know, powerful women in politics. It just gives me a little bit of a hard-on, but not, not literally. It's like a mental Good, thing. because we're sitting at the
0: same desk. That would be really weird. But, uh, you yeah, know, she's uh, what a, a journalist in this. And um, yeah. I'll just cap off from before. The, the, the parody that this movie – that got me from this movie – was The Simpsons, the Halloween yeah. special where Bart... Uh, he buys, I think, for like a cent or a dollar off the mad scientist. He buys these teleporters and takes them back home. He jumps in. There's a fly as well. And he comes out. He's a Bart head on a fly body mm. and then a fly
1: head on the Bart body. And, which you know, I ha- madness ha- ensues. I have to say, I was waiting for that turn in this film that never came. yeah I was waiting for the... The second creature that never came. To you. <laughs> and see, because I think too,
0: uh, I'd only ever seen still shots of this, and you see Goblin, and then you see him with like the boiled face, mm. and then him a little bit more fly ish and whatnot. They don't, I don't think they ever really show too much of the end of the metamorphosis uh, in, in stills or anything. So I wasn't well, sure that is kind exactly. Of, yeah, the way at the end of the yeah. film,
1: the way it sort of breaks away. Oh, my God. And
0: we'll get to that because that was, and... yeah, wow. But, okay, let's take it back to the start. We meet uh, Gina Davis and uh, Jeff Goblin. The one thing I, f- I took out of this film from watching it for the first time, it doesn't really ever start no, as any it's... other movie does. It's bang, you're into it.
1: It's this weird cold open you just have to catch up that... It's some science fair that he's at. Yep. She's covering it. You know, you sort of find out as you're going through, and then because within five like, minutes you... they're back at his house
0: looking at yeah. his work. I'm like, I feel like I'm. I had to check. I'm like, I am watching this on like DVD. Yeah, not a video that's already twenty minutes into the film. <laughs> I, I felt honestly like I'd missed a good chunk of the setup of this movie, and for me, I think it really teetered along until, strangely enough, considering the uh, the the, the storyline for the film, until he went through. The Telepods, that's when the movie really started for me. I'm like, oh, well, wow, I'm really into this now. And like it was good up until then and the science behind it, but I think that too was when Jeff Goldblum really came out because he was sort of At the start of the movie talking about his yeah. work and his life and then afterwards he was he was mad scientist talking a little bit like the Jeff Goldblum that we know and, and uh, 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 yeah. uh, 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 I want to go through again. You should go through. So yeah, it just sort of began. It was really, really yeah, strange. Really, and it took me out. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to like this.
1: It was almost like, it, I, I got the feeling. It took me back to like, you know, grade 12 drama when like, like they make you do like a one-act play. It almost felt like this script would make a really good one-act play. And you just like... like a short open. film. No, beginning, yeah, it just, no necessarily an end. Opens yeah. up and you just, you just have to grab on and go with it. Mm.
0: Yeah. And like, it is a very cool concept. If you're a sci-fi fan, like the idea of teleportation anyway, I mean, that's the dream. You know, and I mean, he's, you know, baby steps, obviously the fact that it's, I I mean, they never said that it was set any other time. So it's set Mm. in 1986, which I guess at the time would have been crazy. They're talking about teleportation and then even just the baby steps along the way. Like it's so graphic in a way, this movie, like when he sends the baboon through and then the bloodied hand comes up, you know, sort of Titanic style drags it down and then he opens it up and it's just like a mush of spaghetti. Yeah and it's like still fidgeting and i'm like holy shit like this it actually made me
1: sit up like i was kind of laying down on the couch and i'm like whoa shit this is this is getting creepy okay full disclosure i had to go to my local dvd store to pick this up yeah it was in the horror section this yeah. fi- this film in which i wasn't expecting Yeah, i thought it would be in the sci-fi section maybe in the sort of the action dro- nope it was in the ho- not even in thriller it was yep. in horror like straight hard up horror. horror yeah and i was like whoa
0: and again the way this movie starts you don't really get that feel from it
1: yeah like cuz you, you there's no it's like there's no montage of him building machines the machines, yeah. the machines were already built at yep. the start of the film there's no getting to know Gina Davis as a reporter talking her into going to this science convention to get, and then her because it was kind of like was she going back to his place for a hookup or was she going back there for actually a story because mm, like, she got was, in that car really
0: easy I mean yeah. if they, and I can't imagine I, I can't believe that they haven't remade this movie already 31 years on yeah, and no. why there isn't any talk of it May, that maybe there is send us a message on, on any of our socials or get into geek at gmail.com if you've uh, you got any word on some remakes but you got to think that if that's the case she's not getting in that car so easy because the world's a different Place now we got a lot of wackos out there. Obviously they existed in '86, but that too that was that was the first sort of you know eyebrow raiser for me. I'm like Jesus, she got in that car pretty early. Yeah, during
1: that first scene when I'm trying to figure stuff out, I'm going, oh, are they already dating? Is she just covering an event that he's at and they're already dating? And then sort of once they get back to his place, it's like, oh no, they don't know each other.
0: Especially when he gets back to like seemingly an abandoned warehouse, he walks her up eight flights of stairs, yeah, goes into this really dirty, disgusting hallway, slides open his giant industrial door. And then I come into my really dimly lit apartment. It's like there's
1: a lot of red flags going asks, on there. Jeff asks for something of hers, and she chooses her stocking. Yeah, yeah. It's like really, you don't have a pencil or a piece of gum in your bag. Yeah, like
0: you're a reporter. <laughs> All he said was just come an on. inanimate object. You didn't yeah. need your clothing. Could have been we, an earring, love. Could have been an sexually, earring. Sexually, you know, he just peels them off in front of him. Yeah, but, um, and, the,
1: and they're individuals too. So it's just yes. the individual. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, just the one, just, just the one, just enough. But uh, you know, you look at the the baboon,
1: and I'm. Mate, who is cleaning out that machine? Oh, that geez, like, can you nah. imagine? I want to see that scene of him just just dry reaching yeah. as he's trying to clean out. <laughs> but at the same time, time getting really machine. good ideas how he's going to fix it. You yeah. know, like
0: as his mind would work in this movie. But <laughs> you got to, like something like that, and a lot throughout this movie where it's practical effects. And mm. look, whether they've dated or not doesn't really matter. The fact that they use that, and you know that if they did this movie today, they're CGIing the hell out yeah. of a lot of this movie.
1: There's that great scene where. Um, he sort of after he's been through the machine and he's still feeling really good, there's that great sort of acrobatic scene where he just happens to yep. have a pair of unparalleled bars like <laughs> in his apartment, which is great. But then another moment when he's sort of climbing on the ceiling yep. and you can just tell that's a shot where they've just turned the camera yep. upside down. Yep. Just great in in camera effects like that I really, really love. Mm. Like and I really have respect for. It. There's a moment and it's and it's one of the it's one of the two highlights and lowlights of the film. They're, it's the two just pillars of this film for me, and they're the most ridiculous things. I'll, I'll explain. But the first one is when he's kind of half turned and she goes to the apartment and he goes to eat the donut and there's just this quick shot of him going to eat this powdered donut and he vomits all over it. Oh, yes. So yes, can yes, yes. That was, I almost had to take a break. <laughs> I was not expecting it that. In out, didn't it? it took me back to the mistake I made. I think when I was sat down to watch the, the season premiere of maybe season two or three of The Walking Dead. Yeah. And I sat down with some corn chips and a bowl of salsa. Not <laughs> not something to be done. No, that's so not... I, yeah. I feel like snacks, when you're going to watch this movie, snacks are really important. Yeah. No wet snacks when watching The Fly. No. Stick to popcorn and twisties. Like, do not do nachos. Yeah. Anything like that. Any, yeah, it's... It's full on, wasn't it? Like, and, and, just, and the simple thing of him having a mouthful of... I don't know, almost like yogurt or watered down yogurt or something like that, And yep. just, just the shock value of it. I was like, even
0: whoosh. earlier than that, as small as him when she's like, he's he's gone mental. You know, he's bringing in random women from the street, he's beating people up, breaking arms and shit, and kicks her out. And then he's like, hang on, what's she on to? And he goes and looks himself in the mirror and he just pulls the tooth out. Like yeah. it's nothing, and then he looked. Then he like squeezes his fingers, and they're just like
1: oh, the way they pop like, like a water
0: balloons, you know, like yeah. zits. And then he pulls a nail. That ugh, that gets me. Like he actually oh, no, see, pulls like that. the nail out from the bone, essentially. And then like that's to me where it really became a horror movie because mm. you go and watch any other horror movie, like a even a slasher flick, right? You're in even Freddy Krueger, the worst, the worst. Where you so you eventually got to sleep. It's like well, when you're awake, that guy can't get you. You know, Michael Myers or Jason, it's like, get as far away from the town that you're in. They can't kill you, scream or anything, aliens, anything like that. This, he's done something to himself, he can't undo. Like, I started thinking about that myself. It's like, if you just make a bad life choice, you cannot go back on that, and how much that makes you dread and regret. He's done something to his body. His body is literally falling apart. Not only in his hands, his hands are falling well, apart. And
1: that's what I loved about the writing, the way it was like this subconscious analogy to like drug addiction because yep. he became addicted to the machine. He Guess wanted so, yeah. to keep going through it. He wanted other people to go through it, to be like him. Yep, yep. As his body's deteriorating around him, he's still not giving up this machine. No. He's addicted he's to the He's got it to like find a ways
0: of using it to help him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And draw other people in. So, yep. you know, you've got to go through the machine as well.
0: I feel yeah. amazing. Because there was that bit at the end where he goes, Look, I am the monster. And he, like, you know, he was clearly doing that vomit thing that you brought up. Before she walked in the door, mm. that was a natural thing to him. But then when she reacted, he's like, oh, oh, you're right. That's 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 actually disgusting. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think about that, right? But then he's trying to figure out a way to help himself. But at the same time, it's like, well, hang on. What I can do is pretty cool. So how can we maybe use this to help yeah. my situation? And then when he figures out, or at least he tries to tell the computer, let's figure out a way where you can get me, Fly, and <laughs> get... That other I, that I couldn't take I couldn't <laughs> <call Brunderfly. laughs> the name. <laughs> when they said it, I actually remembered the name. It's like it's it's in pop culture, yeah, right? Yeah, in sci-fi pop culture. Yeah. Ah, like,
1: oh, right, 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 Brunderfly. Yeah, go get it. Does again from The Simpsons? Doesn't um, Frink call himself something like that? The Frinklefly? Or something? I can't episode? properly yeah, it's, remember. It's been a long time. Could but, be Futurama or Family Guy. One of those as well.
0: But he be. says to the computer, "We'll get two or however many other pure human specimens." Throw them in a machine with me, and then whatever comes out will be less fly and more mm. human. I'm like, dude, you're you're talking about killing other people. Yeah. Or rendering other people like you know non-existent.
1: Yeah, because my first thought was, oh, he just needs a sample to apply to himself to no, be better, and then no. it's like, no, no, it's it's fusing two yeah. whole humans together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I guess th- that was the first moment for me the horror moment in the bathroom where it became a true horror movie, even just psychologically, beyond all the, the physical tr- metamorphosis stuff. The next bit was about the hour mark. Um, where Gina Davis finds out she's pregnant, I'm like, "Whoa, Whoa. okay." Now we're taking another turn, and that
1: dream sequence, which I didn't know was a dream sequence until it was. (laughs) No, neither did I. I'm like,
0: "Okay, she's gone in. It's a very quick um uh, abortion um uh, appointment that she's made, but whatever."
1: And a a very graphic one.
0: But then when they start like pushing, like you've got to help us, I'm like, "Hang on, this thing's really just being conceived. This doesn't seem right." But I still wasn't thinking like it's a monster. It could be anything. And he pulls a giant love, (laughs) and I'm like.
1: Which is the premise for the Fly Two, which I really, really do want to see now.
0: Yeah, and kind of knowing what the Fly Two was about, but still not really knowing, I didn't know how this movie was going to end. So she goes in for the backup, uh, the secondary abortion, which I believe the uh, gynecologist is David Cronenberg, the director. uh, I saw in the credits afterwards, so I had to rewind. And then even then, I looked at him like that doesn't look like Cronenberg. I I pulled up a modern day photo, and I'm like. I, I can see how I that works. I think he
1: might have been the one delivering the lava. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think he okay. might have been the dream sequence. I pulled out the wrong one. There you yeah. go.
0: And um, yeah, it, it's he pops up out of nowhere, and then it becomes again a true horror movie where you've got this monster, yeah, stealing, breaking through windows. Yes. And,
1: and because I'd seen an episode of The Simpsons, I was like, oh god, he's going to take her up on a on a building and be like <laughs> swapping away at planes like King Kong. <laughs> all the yeah, other I thought someone. there might have been a bit of that,
0: but um, it was. I'm, uh, it's kind of weird that they didn't go as far when, he, like come the end where she accidentally rips the bottom of his jaw off and you're like, yeah. holy shit. What? And then it's just like, Brah, the actual fly face peels away what was yeah. left of the human.
1: I'm like, okay. He ends up looking like a genotion from episode two of yeah, Star yeah, yeah. Wars. <laughs> If George Lucas went practical, <laughs> that's exactly right. How they would have looked. Holy shit, I didn't think about that. That
0: they didn't go to flight. Then he never grew wings. Yeah. He never flew anywhere. He was always climbing on walls, did it quite quickly. He could jump from great distances and land. He was very strong. Yeah. Had all these wonderful attributes. It's like if, attributes, Pete, if Peter Parker had a really bad day, this yes. is what it would have yeah, been. Yeah, If they ever went to the the, the, the man-spider storyline yeah. in a movie, that's kind Oh, man, that would be horrific. Yeah. R-rated R-R Spider-Man film? Yeah. They'll fly. Let's do it, Tom Holland. But yeah, it's wonder, I wonder, though, if they were to remake this movie now, would they make him fly? And I want to say, hell yeah, they yeah, would. Yeah, because it'd be a CG-a-thon. He, yeah, flying
1: through, there'd be shit exploding everywhere, labs yeah. blowing up, he'd be on a revenge and shit like... Yeah, he'd have his, like, uh, Werewolf in London, he'd have his knees uh, inverting, like his knee knee sockets inverting. As uh, the, yeah, it'd be it a be a thon I guess th- that also
0: brings up my big question for the movie. If he was Fly and he was a proper hybrid of the two... One, why did he come out as a human? You could say, okay, well, it's because the human was the stronger of the two, the bigger, more mass sort of thing. Yeah. So the the fly had to slowly bring out its physicalities within the human. But why did the end of the metamorphosis, at least as far as we're led to believe, I mean, he could have changed back, but why did a tiny little fly in a six foot three man, the end of its genetic morphing process, turn him into a man-sized fly? Why couldn't it have been... An amalgamation of both. Why couldn't he have been giant? Maybe with like bigger eyes.
1: He could have had wings, fly feet or something. And why was it a. If you think about, you know, (laughs) I say this, you know, with tongue in cheek, what we know about transportation and teleportation in sci fi, I guess, Mm. in terms of he was broken down on a molecular level and Mm. transported to this other pod with the fly. It's like, why didn't he emerge as. The finished product. Yes, yeah, what, what, yeah That's what, exactly what I mean. Yeah. yeah. What was the growth? What was the? Yeah, it was. Yeah, and I that's mean, that's purely
0: for the sake of the story. Whereas, I th- and again, well, that's the sake of the story. Well, yeah, because that's it, what the, that's movie the is, psychological but, thriller part of, of it. Yeah, is what's happening. Watching and, it, and that's the, that's the horror story is him changing. But yeah, yeah. that's where I'm like, oh, hang on. Well, that's what you're trying to do. If that's the end game. Then why would that not have been at the start? Or mm. I don't believe for a second that baboon didn't have one flea on it.
1: Well, now, I do believe I read something maybe on IMDb and there was something about a baboon cat. Right. It was a scene that was cut. Okay, okay. But potentially, it might be in a special features or on YouTube or something like that, something about a baboon cat. Yeah. So perhaps, I th- oh, what did I read? I wish I'd written it down. Something about, I think he was doing more experiments and he got like just a random alley cat and a baboon and put them in together and got yeah, a baboon okay. cat And then there was some scene where... uh, Maybe,
0: like, after, sort of, like, while he was already transforming. Yeah, Yeah. because
1: he was trying to get everyone else to get in. He was trying to recreate it. And something about maybe scaring or killing a woman in an alley somewhere or or Mm. something like that. Um... Yeah, but I don't know if it ever got filmed or not. Okay. I'd have, I'd have to go back and check the notes. its I mean, it's on IMDb, so who knows how accurate that is. But
0: <laughs> I was watching an interview with Resident Evil uh, director um, Paul Anderson, and he, he referred to that as the inaccurate movie database. <laughs> well, it's the Wikipedia of movies, isn't yeah, it? You're yeah, yeah, an yeah. Anyone you can go and change so, whatever they want. Yeah, yeah. I, I directed Jurassic Park, if you didn't know, actually, <laughs> which is fantastic. Um, well, look, I, I did i did like it. I think um, it is part of this cult film classics festival because it is a true cult hit it i can see why it has its niche audience because mm. i can understand i go and watch Ferris Bueller i've i've always seen Ferris Bueller but we did our review a couple of weeks ago and i i love that movie and i even though i watch it every couple of years i watch it and i love it immediately this i liked it more as it went along but i didn't mm. it didn't end and i go wow i can see why that has lasted so long in pop yeah, culture yeah definitely
1: and it's we can go back and watch old films and sometimes they feel It's like, oh, I get why that was big at the time, Mm. but you watch it without the nostalgia goggles or being, you know, a kid watching it and you kind of go... Why is that Why is that still popular mm. But watching this film It's like You totally get Oh I absolutely like get it Like at no point Does it feel like A hardcore 80s film Yeah Like Oh yeah know, it, it's,
0: it's, it's it's timeless In what it shows Like it, it hasn't aged mm. In a Because in I mean It is about Futuristic yeah. technology In but a way so,
1: Sometimes I can watch Like an old Black and white film From the 50s Or something like that And I can't follow The plot Because you know They've written the women To be 50s women Yeah 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 Who are just these Hysterical Fainting Idiotic mm. thinking Damsels in
0: distress Yeah That's what I did and like I, about Gina Davis's character, actually, we didn't we didn't see her struggling to be a journalist in the big wide world no. of men or anything. There she was no in the there. devil wears prada scene where yeah. she's trying to you know. The only reason she was you know struggling to get her piece documented with this with this guy, her editor or whatever, was because the editor was an ex boyfriend and, and this guy was potentially a new and the story interest, and the story right? was so absurd. Yeah, it's like, yeah oh, he absolutely. Can't cre- he yeah.
1: can't create teleportation. That's crazy.
0: And going against cliche too, I like that this ex boyfriend, the editor or whatever job he had uh, within uh, within her world, he wasn't just the bad guy for the sake of being a bad guy and stayed the bad guy. Like He mm. was kind of the hero at the end. He was yeah. there to try and help her. And, and I've only really seen character uses like that a couple of times in these sort of movies whereas usually if you're a dick at the start you're a dick at the end and yeah. you die accordingly and this guy had some horrible shit happen <laughs> to him he had the whole vomity mouth you know thing happen to his hand and his leg which surprisingly didn't gross me out as much as the donut go figure oh uh, yeah I don't know actually but I, yeah, I don't know I, I like that you're right like it, there's
1: a lot of stuff in this movie that that doesn't that doesn't age it which is, yeah. uh, which is really cool like I, I understand everyone's motivation and their thought process and everything through it, mm. which, you know, maybe that wouldn't be the case if I went back and watched the original. Maybe they do have a yeah, that's damsel in distress sort of where you can't actually follow their train of thought because it's so far gone yeah. from modern-day thinking. Mm. So, you know, and that's the double-edged sort of going back and watching old, older films.
0: And what's great about this is it is what a lot of horror movies have at least gone on to become since the 80s. I guess it started with the likes of Psycho and stuff like that, whereas horror is really... It's a female-led genre, you know? Yeah. You've got... You know, your, your Friday the 13th, your, your Nightmare on Elm Street, your Screams, your Halloweens. These are all women, that are the last person standing at the end. You've know, you got to watch any action movie out there. Yeah. Giant, muscular hero, man, saving woman, right? Horror movie, completely different. And this is where, arguably, yeah. the bad guys, the villains, are a lot worse, yet women are the last one standing. And it's been yeah. around a lot longer. Like, we're still struggling in the MCU, right, to get a Black Widow movie. She's been around for 10 years. Scarlet Scarlett Johansson proving herself time and time again, bad movie, good movie, she can bring in money to the box yeah. office, rising above any kind of co- controversy, hopefully with, with Ghost in the Shell and things, she still can't quite get an individual movie locked down yeah. with, with probably her famous, uh, most infamous character. But 30, 40 years ago, you got a genre in horror where it's like, no, nah, women are the ones. Yeah. Women are leading this well, shit. And, and this uh, movie was the same, reminded me a little bit of, say, Terminator, where Sarah Connor... She was a waitress with, you know, frizzy curly hair in the first movie. At the end, she was still innocent, but had the guts to pull the trigger and blow Second the bad film, guy away. She was Rambo, turned into a badass. Yeah. This
1: Gina Davis, cutesy and stuff at the start, at the end, crying when she pulls this trigger. Yeah. Well, not to bring up my Messiah, but this is actually this kind of genre is mm. what led Joss Whedon to create Buffy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was sick of seeing, like, the damsel in distress, blonde girl, but in the back alley, getting killed at the start of the film, much like Drew Barrymore at the start of Scream, yep. things like that. That. Powerless woman Getting killed in the back He decided to turn that on its head Mm. And have this blonde ditzy girl with superpowers kicking ass. Mm, mm. You know, and that's that's one of the things I love to see. And that's what I love about this film too. Gina Davis wasn't suddenly, Oh help me, help me.
0: (laughs) One thing I would if they do go on a remake this and I can only assume that they will uh, and it really it it could do with modern special effects and they could do more with the teleportation and the science behind
1: it. Yeah, definitely keep the budget low, make it a ten or fifteen million dollar movie or something and and, Yeah, so they don't rely too much on the on the CG. I think as much practical in camera effects as possible would be great.
0: I think one thing I do want them to improve on is more so at the start where I wasn't quite sure of Gina Davis's character's motivations when all of a sudden she's sleeping with Seth and then she wakes up and you know, he's got his shirt off and she rolls over and just, mm, I just want to eat you all up. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's a horrible line. But only because it had no chemistry to support it before yeah. then. like She goes, oh, you're really cute and all this. I'm yeah. like, okay, you're just trying to get the story out of him or whatever. Meanwhile, and all of a sudden, they're in a, a full-gone relationship, but I I didn't buy the setup to it. Once they were in that relationship and he's buying a jewelry and mm. and then he's telling her to bug her off so that he can go and get some other chick to come into the machine and stuff, yeah. I fully bought everything from then on. But the setup, I just... I don't know. I didn't. I didn't buy their
1: chemistry up until. Who knew Goldblum had such a rig back in the day, though?
0: Yeah, when he, when he's out there doing sit-ups and stuff, and like, I know mean, oh, a lot of that was a double. But then there's also moments where he's there looking at himself, Peter Parker style. Yeah.
1: Like, look at my newfound power and body. You know, like, yeah, he, he was fit. He was <laughs> which, fit. Which talking to Gina Davis it does bring me to what I hinted at before: the other high point slash low point of the film for me, mm-hmm. which is in the scene where Gina Davis goes back to her apartment, and you find like her boss is in the shower, blah blah blah, and she's trying to avoid him. Like in that, in that seat in her apartment, she's, she's sitting down, um, at a, on a couch and he goes to sit down and she gets up and moves and sits down at the table in the kitchen. If you haven't watched it, go back and look at that table, the ashtray (laughs) sitting on that. It takes up the entire table. (laughs) And it's, you know how like you go to a restaurant and you serve risotto and it's like, it's that tiny little bowl and like the big giant flat piece, like plate on top of it. Yeah. It's like that, but it's an ashtray. <laughs> she she rests a full lit cigarette on the rim of the ashtray and it's not overhanging one edge and it's not actually going into the ashtray part. And it's like pink porcelain. Yeah, right. It is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. And I couldn't tell you what happened in that scene because I was watching that cigarette Ashtray thing The whole time The whole time (laughs) One thing I do uh, I do want to cap off um, Before we uh,
0: move on To our uh, movie number two Of the double feature Was the end And I guess goes back To that whole horror movie element And the psychological nature of it More so than just the, 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 the Physical and the practical nature of it Was when he goes through the machine With like the broken door Was he almost like a big hybrid Of this fly with like Metal Shards coming oh, yeah, out of his back and stuff.
1: He'd, yeah, he'd been in the same way. the The idea was to have the two humans go through yep. and be a. He was yeah. He was an amalgamation now of fly and the machine. Yeah. So, Yeah. He had these like and that looks girders horrible.
0: And, and he's dragging himself along Terminator style. And it's but like, kill me. where he come up, grab the gun and put it to his own head, and I'm like, he's still him mm. inside there, and he just up until you, you sort of felt sorry for him then, not because he was saying kill me, but because even though he was psychotic up until that point, he was doing it because he thought that it was... I mean, it's coming from a like a misinformed Genesis point that it's going to fix him, but he was still doing it because he thought it was going to eventually work out somehow, even though it was going to kill people to do it. And then at the yeah. end, he's like, you know what? I can't do anything more now. It's I'm never going back, obviously, because you're now half machine, half fly. Yeah. Well, the, with a little the bit idea of, your of him self. bonding
1: with Gina Davis and their unborn child oh, to kill them both to him that was a what good was it idea. was to do? That Is was like, a we good idea. Ultimate him. family.
0: And I'm yeah. like, dude, like, that do you Whoa. hear yourself? Obviously not, because you're a fly. Yeah. But wow, I mean that. Yeah, this, that that nature grabbed my head and she's like, I can't, I can't. Blows him away, and then like it started. The movie just ends. Just credits ends. I'm like, okay. How do you explain that to everyone? Whatever. Okay, yeah. but forget it. This no, is, again, they, just, they just walk out, just close style. that
1: door and walk away. Yeah. <laughs> well, she walks away. Old mate gets dragged away. Yeah, I wonder what happened to that bloke. Yeah. So
0: I, while we won't be uh, playing uh, the Fly 2 out of it cinemas in the house season uh, on this particular program, you and I, Maddie, I think should go
1: and watch The Fly too. I will be, tra- I'll be going back to my local DVD shop <laughs> and seeing if they have it because the synopsis sounds amazing. I can't wait to read it. All right, let's let's uh, let's wrap up The Fly. Let's move straight
0: on to movie number two of this double feature, and that is Gattaca, written and directed by Andrew Nicholl, starring Ethan Hawke and Thurman and Jude Law. I'm
1: going to say it, I'd never seen this before either. Yeah. I just, and it, it's bizarre to me it's again one of those films that I'm like I'll get to it I'll get to it I think because at the time when it came out I didn't really have anyone that would wanted to go and see it with me and yep. at, at the time like, I was when did it come out 90 I,
0: mean, I want to say like 96 yeah. 97 so it's
1: like I couldn't exactly go and see it by myself and, and at the I mean now I'll go and see a movie by myself not a problem at all but back in the day, I was, you know, too nervous to go and see a film by myself. Except I think Weekend at Bernie's. I went and saw that when I was about ten by myself. Oh really? Yeah, Dad's school <laughs> holidays. Start. You know, Dad just gives me twenty bucks because we had a we owned a store inside a, a shopping centre. Didn't just look for time to kill. He's just throwing twenty bucks at me, so I've gone up to the cinemas and uh, gone and seen Weekend at Bernie's by myself.
0: Gattaca, indeed. Nineteen ninety seven was uh, the release date. Yeah, this? So I was about
1: thirteen or fourteen. Yep. No, I I'm...
0: definitely wasn't watching this. I was 10 or 11 at the yeah. time. But um, my uh, my wife, Sarah, actually, um, oh, I want to say when we started going out about uh, eight years ago, she got me to watch this. Well, uh, Ethan Hawke and Jude Law. What woman wouldn't love this well, that's film? I'm wondering, like, how did she get into this? Because while she doesn't shy away from the sci-fi stuff, I can't imagine that this was like a go-to movie for her, and, mm. and, and certainly not in the genre. But uh, I watched it, and I remember liking it, but haven't watched it since. And then watching it in the lead up to this double feature night, there was a lot of stuff that I'd actually forgotten about it now while I kind of know what the movie was about or I kind of knew what the movie was about someone asked me the other day right and so I work for, for Nova Radio and we were actually giving away tickets to the in the house um, screening this double feature and one of the guys on there turned to me and he said what's Gattaca about and even though I'd seen the film and I kind of would know how to describe this to you if I had 20 minutes I can't just say oh it's about this like the fly scientists accidentally turns into a hybrid fly human fly hybrid Hilarity Done. ensues. Yes. Like that's... <laughs> and horror. Sort of. Much, much, much horror. Yeah. But Gattaca, it's like, uh, I don't know. And uh, only after watching this. It's like a futuristic this, noir
1: film. It's, you know, blah, it's, Yeah, it's, it's a hard.
0: You know, what society puts you in sort of thing. Or it's, you know, li- really? It's like Gattaca. Dream, believe, achieve. <laughs> but uh, what a wonderful world this set up. Phenomenal. Like, It didn't really expand beyond this town. Like, if they, at the end of this film, told me that this was just how this particular city ran itself, Mm. fine, because they didn't really expand it beyond around the planet... Whereas other films that I've seen um, where, you know, not so much. I mean, this was very much a utopian future with dystopian elements, I yeah. guess. You know, it's either one or the other in a lot of these films. But utopian, they've, they've segregated humanity. They design babies, which, again, is something that they were clearly doing in the 90s to, to give them an idea. It was, it was like very much a future thing, but something that they knew was eventually going to be very possible. People are doing it now. It's a very big moral issue. Should you be designing your babies and all that sort of thing? Yeah. Uh, whereas in this future, the near distant future, as it said at the start of this film, it's 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 the way. Yeah. No one is is conceived by purpose anymore. You yeah. know, it's it's
1: yeah. not the way. And and the great thing that it's it's like, it's like the thing of well, you know, if, if one person genetically engineers their child, then everyone feels obligated to to give them the same opportunities. Mm. Then you run into Jude Law's character, who even though he had all these advancements and all this stuff. He was still coming in second. He was always Mm. still getting the silver medal. Yeah. So it's like, it's no matter what you do, not everyone can get first place. Yeah. There's always got to be a second and a third. Mm. So it's And the wonderful line from Ethan
0: Hawke's character when he said, look, there's no gene for fate. Yeah. And then you see Jude Law and he's in a wheelchair because he's had this accident. I mean, you go on to find that Mm. because he had come second, he's the best of the best, but he's still not the best. Yeah. But he's the best he can be. And unfortunately that then made him... Feel yeah. like he wasn't good enough and tried to kill himself. That he's now getting around and he's disabled, you know. But he, by genetics point of view, could still do more than what Ethan Hawke's character yeah. was able to do. But uh, like seeing that it's written and directed by Andrew Nichols. Now, I know it got panned when it came out a few years ago, but Andrew Nichols also uh, wrote and directed In Time with uh, Justin Timberlake and, uh, and Amanda Seyfried yeah, a few years that. ago. So if you haven't seen In that's Time, that's a bad watch. I didn't mind it either. That's quite it got, enjoyable. It got absolutely panned by a lot of critics around the so world. You know, it probably you... didn't do very well. But I I just... Re- I think it was a very, very sad concept. Now, if you haven't seen it, I won't give away the, the, the full story or, and you know twist endings or anything like that. But it's based in a future where humans get to 25 years of age and they don't age anymore. Their body, they will always look the same. But then there's this digital clock, essentially and inside there in arm. this whatever it is, something and you pay, you pay for everything with with that yes. time. there's you're, no you're, such thing as money. It's lost just it, time.
1: Twenty four hours when you turn twenty five, or something like
0: that? Oh, I can't remember how it kicks off when you turn twenty five. But yeah, that's you you work Your to live very clock much. Clock starts
1: counting down, and that's yeah. So you might get paid
0: in for two weeks, and then you go to a bar and you buy a drink, and that'll take eight minutes
1: off you yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And and it's that great. Metaphor of you know working to live yes. or living to work. Yeah, you know it's because
0: that. as he you know it uh, becomes a little bit Bonnie and Clyde-ish and towards the end. He's stealing stuff to give to the poor and things, and he works his way up and he meets people that are literally gambling with hundreds of years of lives. Yeah. Like, I'll bet you a millennia, you know, that I can do this. And it's like, yeah. oh, these guys don't know what they have. But like you said, a great comparison to you know what's going on in the world which is when sci-fi is at its best when it oh, starts That's you know, what it's supposed looking to at do. the current world right so i don't know what sort of world that gattaca was was looking at. i can't remember what the world was like 20 years ago exactly i was 10 it was all about bloody chips and power rangers or something <laughs> in the afternoon i don't know i didn't have a lot of care at 10 years of age but um A really sad sort of world But then in a way A very uplifting story about this guy While he was deceiving everybody around him And essentially a criminal Because he was doing illegal things Yeah He was doing it to achieve What he knew he was capable of But what society told him that he couldn't Yeah I don't know I just, I think Like I said If you listen to our um The fly half of this podcast I really liked it And I think that if I watch it again and again over the next couple of years and it becomes, to me, a cult hit like it has to people that still love it now after 30 years, I'll come to love it. Gattaca, again, I only watched it for the second time ever and the first time in eight or nine years the other day. And I finish it and I'm like, that is such a good movie. It's, it's a really good movie. I feel
1: like it's it's really poignant, given what's going on in the world at the moment. Mm. I think it, it, it really spoke to me. And it's quite funny because I think one of the reasons I'd never seen it is you give me a film with... You know, guys dressed as gangsters holding Tommy guns, you know, with that between 20s and 40s kind of aesthetic, mm. I'm out. Yeah, yeah. i out. i got no interest. <laughs> and I think that's why I never saw this film, because from the trailer point of view, the trailer does nothing to entice me into this film. As, as a visual, yep. not my thing. But watching the film, I loved. It was this great, everything looks so old school, Dick Tracy kind of thing, but yeah. had those modern elements. It's like what, what back in the... 30s and 40s, what they envisioned 2010 to look like. Yeah. You know, yeah. it looks exactly the same as it did then, but communicator watches and, you know, little, little tiny bits of, of technology like that that we don't have now, mm. you know, um, you know, with the old school cars and stuff like that. I just found it this really, really charming the way it was kind of the, just that juxtaposition of, of all that old school stuff with, you know, the, the touch on this modern technology and how. Just the one errant hair, you know. It just is everything. Yeah, yeah. It's
0: and on that so becoming just a classic old detective story in a way, where you're following yeah. the bad guy, and uh, and they were always on his tail, yeah. you know. Like they had no evidence to suggest that this invalid, as they come to call him, was the murderer of uh, of well, the dead it. body. It's, but it's they chasing, figure
1: it's chasing one thing but they're actually solving a different mystery. Yes, yeah. When they think they're trying to solve this murder, they're yeah. actually solving this his crime of being an invalid, posing yeah. as a valid.
0: Because I'd love to know what would have happened had they have caught him and tried to try him for the murder because they had no evidence linking him to it. They just mm. find someone that shouldn't have been on the premises, has no reason to be on the premises, is nowhere near smart enough, genetically doesn't deserve to or could ever earn a place on that premises, so therefore he must be the guy. Um.
1: Yeah, because they... he's he's hiding who he really is. Therefore, he must be guilty of this murder. Yeah, and that's like, like that's his
0: greatest crime. And I'm like, okay, well, what, what could they charge him with? Like, what would his punishment be for pretending to be someone that he's not? And um, that's not really the important side he, of the story. Didn't he
1: use the phrase. Um, it was like a conglomeration of two words. Of like dishonest and gene genus. Oh, they like that. yeah. They yes, were, they did use it. I can't it like can't pick it, it up like now. It was almost like a slur. It's like mudblood. It was like their version <laughs> of calling someone
0: mudblood. <laughs> yeah, it, it. I mean, that that was the the important part of the story. But you know, part of this story is a murder mystery, and we're following around the chief suspect of it. But we know that the guy that we're following, even though he is doing illegal acts, isn't really doing anything illegal per se. You know, he's not. No, it's, it's, he's a criminal, but he hasn't committed a crime. It's potentially immoral, but it's not. Yeah.
1: You know, in your heart of hearts, you know, it's not, it's not illegal. He was, he was stuck behind the eight ball to begin with. Mm. And it's like, you know, he, he was hustling. He was just doing what he had to do to survive. And he was, he was passing as valid Mm. when he was genetically invalid. And it's, ah, it's so good. Like I just, I was surprised at how much I really enjoyed this film. Yeah. And a really cool
0: setup, you know, at the start where they they bring in Tony Shalob. Is that the name we Tony Shal- Shaloub. 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 Yeah. They bring him in, and and like he's a much tougher bloke than I think I've seen him playing a lot of his other yeah. roles, and and sets up the uh, the identity sort of uh, duplication and things. And I like to actually make a point straight away of saying. Ethan Hawke and Jude Law don't look a thing like each other, you know? No, they don't. And he's like, oh, come on, you know, no one looks at pictures anymore. It's all about the blood. And even that photo, Mm. it's clearly Photoshop version, essentially, of the two faces put together. So you can look at it and go, eh, it looks like Jude Law. And you can look at it and go, oh, it kind of looks like it. If it weren't for
1: the fact that they had those shitty little handheld devices with those terrible holographic kind of pictures, (laughs) if it was just an iPad, he would have been caught... Years ago, yeah,
0: because when they actually had the invalid thing pop up and it's Ethan Hawke, that's clearly Ethan Hawke. That's clearly Ethan Hawke. you're With not mistaken him for Jude Law, yeah, yeah. So
1: it's like they talked about, you know, uh, at one point they couldn't get the right hair dye, you know. That, yeah. you, well, it's like, well, those pictures don't show color, mm. so they're not good. So that didn't matter, it's oh, brilliant. Mm. But you talk about Tony Shalhoub still not the greatest cameo in this entire film. Vincent's two parents, did you recognize them at all?
0: Oh, yeah. Now I I forget where I know the mother from. Um oh, I, I know Elias Kates, you know, yeah, Elias Casey Cotillas, Jones Casey 101. Gotcha. And then
1: the mother is the mother from Kindergarten Cop.
0: Ah, oh, yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, the, the, the yeah, the woman who's getting he's beaten getting beat around. Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah yeah yeah.
1: Yeah. I was like that's that's a great like 90s bang right there <laughs> just.
0: <laughs> I tell you another cameo you probably didn't unless you read the uh, the credits, but um mm-hmm. Maya Rudolph, you know from um, uh, yeah, Saturday Night yeah, Live, she was uh, the nurse. She was the midwife nurse. Yeah, yeah, and she always had a mask on. She was in two shots, and even the second shot, she sort of disappeared behind uh, Eliza Katias' character. But um, yeah, I'm like, oh, I well, had to go back and well, watch
1: because the when Vincent was born and they sort of do little needle in the foot thing, and there's the there's the nurse reading out. I think she was an Asian nurse reading out bits and pieces. Mm. I recognised her from something yes. She's like a bit player I think maybe Stargate Or one of those sort of things Yeah I, oh, I do recognise her I think she was in well. an episode of Charmed Which we won't go there <laughs> um, Oh! Actually and she was also in Spider-Man She was the That's what I'm thinking of her of yeah, She yeah. was actually in Hard enough She the, was a nurse at um, The Cuckoo She was there talking about All the different genus of Spider When just as Peter Parker gets bitten In the first Spider-Man yes, film Yes yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's exactly where I know her from Yeah I knew she yeah. was in
0: some kind of Science-y type
1: Yeah so when, setting. I, when I saw the credits I went my Rudolph went What? And yeah, I, yeah, I had to rewind and go back Like oh my god because oh, <laughs> really, it's not its not a, a movie,
0: while it's got a lot of, it's a big world, there's it's not a lot of characters in this film, really. I mean, when Maya Rudolph is getting mm. credited as, you know, a baby nurse, essentially, or whatever yeah. she was, midwife. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm like, oh, you didn't have that big of a part, but there's not a lot of characters in this uh, in this movie. But that get but it still is it very much about characters. And and now that I'm talking about it, it's weird that I said that I couldn't possibly describe this to someone short of like a 20 or 30 minute conversation. But now I'm actually trying to find things to bring up to talk about because in a way it is a very simple story. Like it really is yeah. just about rising above you know what's written about Pre- preconceived you, you know? preconceived notions, notions, of, of what, all that
1: of what you can do as yep. a human being. It's like, you know, from the moment he was born, he was put behind the eight ball Mm. and he's just, you know, done his own thing from there. Yeah. And I think, I think that's great. One thing I didn't quite get, and I want to talk to you about this now. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen the film, this is a bit of a big reveal towards the end of the film. I won't give it away completely, but we do end up being reintroduced to Vincent's younger brother, Mm. like towards the end of the film. Yes. The swim at the end. Yeah. I didn't get that. I didn't understand what that was about. Now you have a brother who's what eighteen months younger than you, and you two are close, very close, probably closer than two brothers should be. (laughs) (laughs) Talking to someone who doesn't have a brother, I didn't. I didn't understand that. I didn't. I didn't get the emotional weight behind that and the resolution to their. I guess I compared. I didn't the brother to
0: Jude Law's character a lot in
1: the sense that he again was
0: as good as he could ever possibly hope to be. Like genetically, he was for all intents and purposes, perfect. And yet there was one Much time... Much like people say about your brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> fine genetic specimen. Um, love to your Link. And there was that moment where Ethan Hawke's little dweeby, little imperfect older brother beat him. And that was enough for Ethan Hawke then to, obviously, his character to move on and leave. and And then that had obviously been sitting with his brother forever. It's just like there was that one time where you did something you shouldn't have done and I didn't do something that I should have. And, and he kind of had to prove that to himself. And then there was, again, that extra little little bit of reveal for the character, for, uh, for Ethan Hawke's character, for Vincent, where he, he got out that far and he's like, you always wondered how I did it it's because i never saved anything for the return swim like he and i guess that then you look back and that sums up his whole journey for the movie like yeah. he's leaving you know that, that little breadcrumb along the way
1: but he's digging himself in so deep like he's got the the blood vial when he's getting the blood test yeah. he's he's when he was training like in the early part of the film when he's like doing those pull-ups and he's like collapsing on the yep, ground yep. In pain, and then when treadmill, he gets yeah, caught he's, on the treadmill, yeah. he's, and he's got he the, the backup in. sort of heart monitor thing yeah. that's
0: like essentially pre-programmed with uh, Jude Law's, you know, heartbeat or whatever, yeah. as if it had been recorded, and he's just digging this hole so deep, and then with this murder mystery thing, like as as he did said in his narration, this mission director has more chances of undoing me in his death than he ever did in his life. He's in a corner, so far deep in the corner, he's never getting out. And it's like, well, I never planned to get out as far as he's concerned. He's going to die in space. He just wants to go to space because he never could get to space, but it's the one thing that he always wanted to do. So he doesn't need to worry about what's going to happen to him when he comes back because he doesn't think he's ever going to come back. And if he does, then I guess the plan
1: starts all over again, and he's going to, again, not save anything for that return swim. Well, actually, yeah, just finishing off on the swim thing, I guess because Ethan Hawke is the protagonist during this film, I was trying to figure out what significance it had to him. But from what you've said, it kind of does make me understand that that last swim was probably more significant to I wonder whether for the Perfect f- Brothers the valid brother Yeah, I think it was, it was more for was the brother because I think for but because Vincent because we hadn't spent much time with him yeah. I, didn't, I didn't have an any emotional sort of involvement in mm. his you know and there was no resolution you don't kind of see him after that swim I don't think you yeah. see him for the rest of the film
0: No and I think um yeah it, it is definitely more for the brother than Vincent because maybe for Vincent mm. if he didn't agree to go back and do the swim the brother's horn. and he's asked to jail yeah, or something, you know, and he's going to jeopardize the mission that cannot be jeopardized. Like we learned that the mission's going to go. It's it's happening. It cannot mm. be stopped. And that's why, you know, essentially the director of NASA owned up and said, yeah, yeah I, I killed him. Yeah. It can't be stopped now. And I just want this to have happened on my watch and I'm happy to fess up and do my time for, for the murder. But yeah, I guess for the brother, knowing that the, he didn't do it, it wasn't really about turning him in for, you know, deceiving everybody and lying about his
1: identity. It was, I guess, living trying to prove the, himself. The, the, oh, yeah. the, the 15 years that they hadn't seen each other, however long it was him knowing in his, in the back of his mind that he lost to an invalid, mm. I guess. And it does tie into what you see of him throughout the film of what he's doing, what he does yep. in his spare time, I mm. guess. So it is a film I'd love to go back and watch again, knowing yep. knowing that reveal at the end. I'd love to go back and then watch it, knowing that from the start. Yeah, so you watched it for the
0: first time just this week. For me, yeah. first
1: time I've seen it in eight years,
0: the second time ever. I had completely forgotten about yeah. that twist. So when that happened, I'm oh in a room no, by myself. And there is this, no oh, telegraphing whoa. of that.
1: There is not a single telegraph of that whatsoever. It's such a good reveal. Yeah.
0: Ned, so, yeah, you didn't see it coming.
1: That was my not question. One you didn't bit. see it coming. Not and I guess bit.
0: the trick with that is is that you see Ethan Hawke's character late teens, early 20s, played by a different actor. Then all of a sudden it's played by Ethan Hawke. They don't really look anything like each other. Mm. And to a lesser extent, the brother character doesn't look anything like the other actor yeah. that played him. so it's It is not that like suspension of
1: disbelief in yeah, terms yeah. of, if you hadn't seen your brother in 15... Like I haven't seen some of my cousins in 15 years, but I know that when I see them, I'm going to recognise them. Yeah, exactly. Like, if yeah. I walk past them on the street, I'm going to recognise them. Mm. Suspension yeah, of
0: disbelief for sure. But yeah, I, I would love to go back now and, and watch it for a third time, but so close to watching it for the second, where you get scenes like In the Alleyway, when Vincent punches the the copper and knocks him out in the alleyway runs away with Uma Thurman
1: so clever too the way that he covered his fist up with his jacket to leave no DNA I
0: didn't even see that did not even notice that apparently because I
1: was reading some notes and stuff and apparently he actually ripped the jacket or whatever during that that scene but yeah you see him as he's about to punch the cop he just kind of gets his jacket sleeve he wraps his fist around it and then just punches the crap out of the cop Leaves no DNA.
0: I did not even notice. And I guess Mm. that to support me and my ignorance was uh, Alan Arkin's uh, character coming out going, don't spit, don't swallow, don't do this, get swabby's mouth, you know. And I'm like, oh, they'll they'll find some DNA here. This is going to be more to his undoing because finally he's actually done something illegal, you know. When that uh, more superior police officer comes out and then he yells out, which obviously we find out to be the brother, but he yells at Vincent! And it's like he knows that he's after this invalid, right? Yeah. And that invalid's name is Vincent. He's just yelling at Vincent. He knows Vincent's down there. And he can call him by name, not by surname, by first name. Vincent, because he's, he's an invalid. He's lesser on the scale, on the hierarchy than him. But then you hear at the end of the film, mm. that's his brother. That's why he's yelling out his name. Yeah. He's looking really for his really brother. Even Ethan Hawke, when the cop comes to visit Jude Law and, and or comes to visit Jerome and finds uh, Jude Law there pretending like he's not a cripple and that he's the guy that everyone else thinks that Ethan Hawke is. And then up pops Ethan Hawke afterwards and says, "Who was the cop? What did he look like? He looks like a cop, yeah, but what was he?" And so you you pick up then at the end of the film, you realize yeah. Ethan Hawke knew that his brother was after him. It had to be someone that he knew, yeah. probably from the yelling in in the alleyway. That yeah. might have been the only point
1: that he figured it out. But and that's why I think the the alley the alley scene is probably my equal favorite and least favorite mm. part of the film because of that great moment there. But the thing that annoyed the crap out of me is through this whole film, we learn how Uma Thurman is a valid she's, you know, you see her running on the treadmill and she's just an absolute machine. She's a gun. She's a Terminator. She's perfect, except for that little, what was a heart condition? Or mm, yeah, an like
0: acceptable that. heart condition or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something
1: like that. She can run on that treadmill for an hour and not get, not drop a beat of sweat put her in a pair of high heels, run her down an alleyway, she trips. She <laughs> trips and hurts her ankle like every cliched female does in every single film ever. She becomes the damsel in distress. And I was like, oh, you were going so well up until now.
0: And then in the heat of the moment, they're getting chased by cops. They've just assaulted a police officer. They're avoiding justice and all this. And then they start getting it on in yeah. the alleyway and they go back to her place and and Yeah. but then the very end of the film he's gotten away with everything Jude Law set him up for his future whenever he comes back his brother's not chasing him anymore the actual murderer has been caught nothing will stop him and then he goes in and he finds out that he has to do another urine test and something yeah. he hasn't planned for even though Jude Law says you can take it he goes I don't need it anymore No, I'm sweet he goes in to take this urine test Xander Berkeley's character is going to be his undoing and then he goes no oh, I'm caught you know, And again, it's that whole, I didn't save anything for the return journey. He's not yeah. He's not trying to get out of it and trying to backtrack. He's like, well, just remember, Doc, I was as good as everyone thought I was, regardless of what this says. You know, And pisses, gives it to him. He goes, yeah, you're invalid. How about that? And the mm-hmm. whole time, while Ethan Hawke is trying to argue his point, Xander Berkeley is also bringing up something from the first five minutes of the film. He goes, I didn't have to ever tell you about my son. And they're yeah. each having their own conversation, but not with each other. Yeah. And then you go, oh, hang on. His son's an invalid, yeah. but wants to do more than society tells him he can. And he has always known about Ethan Hawke, that he wasn't who he says he was. He's been
1: watching him piss every day, yep. and he says, a writer doesn't hold it with your left. Yep. like so he's known the whole time. Again, I think that was something so to go
0: back and watch the movie and go, yeah. well, look at this guy. He knew from the start. Because you see him at the start, and you're like, this could be a guy. To watch. Because yeah. Anna Berkeley has played these characters, but even not typecasting him, you watch this, you go, this is the type of character that could be his undoing. Midway through the film, the blood testing, when he has to fake the blood test. Again, that character would have known what he's yeah. doing.
1: And when there was that shot of you seeing the blood, when he has to sort of fake the, t- the tube and all that sort of stuff, and the blood uh, flicks onto the investigator's shoes, mm. and he makes a note, oh, if you need any more, just wipe off that guy's shoes. Mm. I thought for sure that was going to come back at some yep, point. Yep, yep. But it didn't. And now you realise, well, that's because Xander Berkeley's character was just covering it. Yep. You know, he was covering his tracks as much as he could on his end. Oh, so much to go so back great. and
0: appreciate this film for. Like yeah. it's so good as as its own watch and, and it, it's very tight knit as far as the world that we see, you do get a lot of world building feel yeah. about it and the way that the world operates now. It's just the norm. You know, we don't look at this world and go, Oh, that's that's a really sad way to live. It's just like, no, it's just the way. They're not it's not like yeah. they're they're Uh, designing children to be slaves or anything it's just we're trying to design them so that they don't have diseases and that if we we've got seven daughters so we can have a son it's not that they're not evil. It's just yeah. the very scientific well, future that, that we may be heading into right now. That
1: great sort of laugh of derision when um, Vincent's parents are sort of designing his younger brother. Mm. And they say, you know, they, they're talking to the to the valid, you know, genesis who's doing it. He's a black man. Mm. And they're requesting to his face. They'd like a, a you know, a, a fair-skinned child with blue eyes and dark hair. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And he just sort of has that little sort of, you know, snort of derision because that's what they think perfection is. Yeah. And that was, that was all we had for that part of the film in mm. terms of any sort of racial sort of thing. It, it was like... And I think they, they do make the, the point in the film that genealogy was the new racism. Mm. It was just this, you know... It didn't matter if you were black or white or Asian or whatever. Yeah. It was whether you were genetically modified. Yeah, there's
0: it. even that bit at the start where he goes for the interview or whatever and he is judged according to his genetics. And he makes a point, he goes, oh, you know, in a roundabout way saying it's the new racism. He goes, look... It's not legal, but no one really pays attention to the rules, you know? Yeah. And that's like, you know, the, you, you the hear job about interview. job interviews he, he reaches now. He the or handout,
1: wants to shake the guy's hand, knowing that he would give him a sample, yep. and he just walks out of the room.
0: Yeah, he's like, I'm, I'm already not going to get it. I already know I'm not mm. going to get it. And, you know, you hear about that that sort of stuff now, you know, whether it be a, a woman going in for a job that someone wants a man to get or something like yeah. that. And it's like, you know what, that person's just as qualified, but because of this, apparently they don't deserve it. So... I wonder where this story I'd love to hear an interview or talk to Andrew Nichol and find out where this story come from. I and mean, it could have been as easy mm. as that, you know, like just one day of, of, of witnessing someone being judged and then it just become a little thing that sort of spread out into a web of a story and then it becomes something in the future, become about genetics and yeah. all of a sudden we have this movie that is sci fi but it's more you know, it's it's it's
1: more about our own future yeah, and it's, it's a it's putting modern day issues into this fantastical setting so that it's more, it's more easily digestible and it's not, it's not a Selma. You mm. know it's not one of those heart-wrenching you know stories about something that's actually happened in, in our own history that should never have happened.' Mm. It's, it's not that kind of film. it's putting it in this in this sort of little microcosm where we can examine it as a because it is the future and it's a different reality. Mm. We can examine it without putting our heart into it and you know examine it from a more scientific point of view and see what's so wrong about it, like, Mm. and and just be baffled at at how this sort of stuff can happen
0: yeah and a nice end you know as well like he 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 goes off and he has that narration saying you know like we all came from the stars at one point and maybe i'm just going home because Mm. he never ever felt part of earth anyway because he he knew that he was more than what everyone told him to be and he got to live out his dream and you know really suffered no true consequences because of it all and
1: and that great part that leaves you wanting more in that you never see the destination it's that old adage about Mm. it's not the journey it's the destination you know you never see him get to titan and there's that little part of me is the sci-fi nerd going, well, why do they need the best of the best? Because clearly the trip there is just like getting in a cab. Like they're all wearing suits <laughs> and they just got in zero G-forces as they're, you know, being blasted up into the atmosphere. But then he did hint at on Titan that it must be weightlessness because he says to Jude Law, your legs would be an issue yeah. if he was in space, yeah. you know? So it kind of makes me want to know what what's going on there, why they're only taking the best of the best of the best of the best. Mm. Given that, from what we saw, you don't really need to be a amazing physical specimen to stand stand the trip. Mm. And you know, for modern day, you know, astronauts, that's that's half the well, three quarters of the work is being able to survive the g forces and and you know all that sort of stuff. Being fit enough that your heart's going to hold up to the all the g's of you know being launched up. Well, that's not an issue here. Mm. So, what do they need to be perfect specimens for to float around in Titan?
0: One little plot. Not so much hole, but just a little flaw. When they were talking about the uh, the mission director being murdered, and everyone was kind of happy with it, because they're like, "Oh, he was, you know, charging, uh, you know, in charge of all the layoffs going around here." And I'm like. Mm. You're shooting tw- twelve rockets into space every day. <laughs> I don't think a couple of layoffs are going to sort out this business, right. All right? Saving the company fifty grand per annum is not going to put more rockets in space, all right? It's a stupid reason to want to kill him off. Yeah, and <laughs> it's like
1: why? No point did they ever go and interview any of the people that he laid off that wanted to actually? No, it must be that random hair. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be that random here. Can't can't be a disgruntled ex-employee mm. or someone who killed him and then jumped on the next rocket in the next town over yeah. and is already on their way to Titan.
0: And it's a wonder they didn't actually make more of the fact that the mission director who said, go look at my charts and my file, there is not a violent bone in my body because they, mm. they knew according to Vincent's uh, profile, he is prone to violence. But yeah, it didn't make them... Want to go and sort of reanalyze what they think they know about genetics because this guy wasn't a violent guy, but put him in the right circumstance in the right situation. Yeah, he will do what we it's, do as humans because we're at the, at the very basic
1: nature of it all, we're animals. Well, and he's the antithesis of Vincent. Vincent has been put behind the eight ball his entire life saying you can't do this because you're not genetically, genetically engineered, mm. and he proves them wrong. Yeah, well, then. You know, the boss guy is like, well, he can't be a suspect because he doesn't have a, a violent bone in his body. He's been genetically modified that way that he's not going to be violent. Yeah, and it turns out he is. Yeah, and so it's that great sort of, you know, just just flipping that to say that you know genetics again doesn't take in take, doesn't take into account fate. Mm. You know.
0: Three very, very cool films so far in this season's
1: uh, In the House Cult so Film good. Classics
0: program. Hit it up, eventcinemas.com.au to check out the full program. The next one is on Friday, March the 3rd with Stand By Me. Squad goals for days. <laughs> <laughs> Young Jerry O'Connell. That's what I want to see up on the big screen. So oh, and Will
1: Wheaton. Will Wheaton. It's
0: all happening. Oh. It is all happening next week. River Phoenix. So uh, check Man. it out, eventcinemas.com.au. Find a location near you that is playing this program. Poss- Possibly the only film with Jerry O'Connell where he doesn't have abs. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, he hit the big time and started hitting the gym after it. So uh, go check it out. Stand by me. This is a movie I've never seen the end of. I only ever watched it with a babysitter when I was young. She switched it off at the end because I think shit was about to turn sour. <laughs> and she told me it ended peachy. I never believed her, so I want to go back and I want to see it in the big screen for the first we time. We will have a
1: man hug at the end of this film. I guarantee. Colin, join
0: us. We will have our review of Stand by Me coming out around the time of the uh, screening at Event Cinemas, Friday, March the third. Check it back. here Here on the uh, SoundCloud and iTunes accounts of Get Into Geek. Otherwise, we've got uh, plenty of stuff going up. Our DC TV chats of all things: Supergirl, Arrow, Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Walking Dead. We review. Let the hate flow. (laughs) Maddie loves those shows. (laughs) I keep telling him otherwise. And uh, also, uh, Logan is coming out in uh, less than two weeks now, Maddie. It's all happening. Logan. My heart rate just went up. <laughs> so, well, Premiere is happening this weekend, and uh, we can't wait to check that out. So hit us back. We'll have the first review up as spoilers, non-spoilers, and around about the same time, we'll have out our Stand By Me uh, review to uh, to remind you to go check it out at Event Cinemas. Maddie. thank you very much for joining us once again. You're most welcome, my friend. You can uh, find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram simply at Get into Geek, or drop us a line, geek at gmail.com. Myself at Mitch underscore Lewis, Twitter and Instagram. Check us back here shortly for more Get Into Geek. Get
1: into